Amen. Good morning. I um, may get my stuff together here. Since I don't have the uh, projector to flash my PowerPoints and my scripture reading and all that stuff, let me put my other eyes on. Everything's bigger now. Thank God for glasses. Okay, let me. I'm not used to being up here. It's been a while. I'm trying to get everything situated here. I'll try, try that. Good. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for um, who you are. You know, as we, t- we talked about, um, or we prayed for the passing away of loved, loved ones this morning, how we've prayed for uh, this, your servants this morning, how we prayed for lost souls, also how we prayed for those that are hurt and are struggling. Pray that your message, Lord, uh, can speak to each one of our hearts, everyone under the sound of the voice that you're using this morning to make a difference so that we can be more impactful for you, Lord, as we live our lives throughout this, uh, this neighborhood, throughout this city, the people that we come in contact each and every day that may not even live in this state, that can go back to wherever they live and be uh, more impactful for where they live, and that your gospel, gospel can go forth. Continue to use us, Lord, as we uh, look in your word and uh, glean the lessons that you've put in there for us to learn from. Thank you for what you're going to do. May your word be heard clearly and precisely. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in your, in your bulletins there, it does not have a uh, title, right? Okay. And the reason that is is because I was going to speak on something else. And I've, I was actually, I told Donna yesterday, she, she was actually going to do it yesterday, and I told her yesterday, I said, things are changing. <laughs> said, uh, I was going to go one direction, and now I'm going in another direction, and I don't have much time to do it in. And so uh, I, um, I, I didn't struggle with it. It was as if the Lord was telling me to go to another direction, and he just opened the doors and the floodgates opened, and things just start pouring through. And um, and it turns out that I've always wanted to speak on this, what I'm going to speak about, for years now, and I never did. I actually told Pastor that, man, I, I want to I want to speak on this, and for some reason, I, I up until this point, which I still haven't yet, uh, up until this point, I I was like, why haven't I? So. There must be a reason that I need to, and uh, hey, I, let's just get on with it, right? So the book that we're going to go into is the book of Philemon. 
How many of you are familiar with the book of Philemon? A couple people. It's, it's basically a one-page book, a one-page letter. Uh, but it is so rich. It is so rich. Um, the title of my sermon is called The Request to Forgive. And I'm going to talk about three areas. The first area is called the praise. The second area is called the plea. And the third area is called the pledge. I got a question. I'm going to start off my message with a question. Have you all have ever been done wrong and found it hard to forgive? I mean, really, it's, 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 a, it's a simple question. It's like, of course I have. Um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22, in the New American Standard Version, it says, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 through 15, New American Standard, it says, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, New America Standard says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And the last verse I'm going to read and get on with it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, New American Standard says, Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Throughout scripture, for, forgiveness is kind of a common theme. Uh, it's given to empower us. It's given to release someone. It's given to have someone recommit. It's given to restore someone and to replenish someone. There's forgiveness needed throughout the word. And in every area of our life, we've had to somehow or another forgive someone for something that's been done to us, around us, to someone we love. And then we've also needed forgiveness ourselves for things that we've done. Paul, the author of Philemon, knows firsthand about forgiveness. Here you got someone that was killing believers. Now, as a converted believer who has to now ask and seek for forgiveness in order to start his ministry. And i tell you how powerful forgiveness is when we forgive people. Think about Paul 
and what he was able to do once the disciples forgave him. They laid hands on him and forgave him. And then he was out witnessing to the Gentiles. And we have almost half the Bible written by him. How powerful forgiveness is. Think about Peter. This is someone that denied Christ three times. And then when Christ said, Peter, feed my sheep. How powerful is forgiveness. What about ourselves? When we were forgiven, when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and look at us now, praising and worshiping him. We owe our life to him. Have you ever been forgiven for a wrongdoing? That weight that was lifted off of your shoulders, how you were then freed up, because you, before you were forgiven, you carried around that burden. And once you were forgiven, you felt that you could conquer the world. Amen? Philemon is one of three personal letters that Paul had ever written. The other two were first and second Timothy, and then Titus. So Paul wrote three personal letters while being locked up, and this is one of them. It happened to be the shortest letter that he ever written that we know of while he was in prison in Rome. Um, now, here's, here's kind of where you can look at Philemon. Um, Philemon himself can be seen as a judge and jury or God Almighty. So as we read through this, think of this. Philemon can be seen as the judge and jury or God Almighty. Paul, the author of this letter, can be seen as a lawyer, defense lawyer, or Jesus Christ laying out the defense. And Onesimus can be seen as the defendant on trial. So we got three main characters here. There's others, but these three main characters. So think of the courtroom setting. Paul is the lawyer. Philemon is the, the judge and juror. And Onesimus is the guy on trial. Realistically, think of Onesimus representing us to our Lord and Savior, to God. So the background, a little bit of background. Philemon was a very, very wealthy man. He was so wealthy that the Colossi church was in his house. So he had enough land, he had enough wealth, he had enough property that he could actually house a church. Anyone that was going, passing through, or just coming to visit were more than welcome to stay at his house. He had to have a pretty big home. Onesimus whose name actually means useful or profitable, was Philemon's slave. He stole something from Philemon and then ran off to Rome. Now, this is where it gets interesting. He ran off to Rome and ran into someone <laughs> named Paul. Paul, in turn, shared the gospel with him. Onesimus accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. 
And Onesimus became one of Paul's servants. And Paul loved him. Now let's go to the text. If you're there already, just say amen. It's right before Hebrews. You can miss it just turning through the scripture. Um, that's why I think that a lot of people probably don't pay attention to Philemon because it's like one page and you can go through it. I'm going to read, I'm going to break it up into three sections. The first sections I'm going to do is uh, verses 1 through 9, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. Verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So let's look at, uh, let's, let's, let's go through this. Notice in verse 1 that Paul mentions Paul, a prisoner of Christ. Paul, in almost all of his letters, if you go back and look through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, you look at Paul's letters and they all start off saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. As I was reading through this, and, I, and I, I, the first time I heard Philemon, the book of Philemon preached on, it was through uh, um, John MacArthur. And John MacArthur has a way of breaking things down like pastor. And there's, there's things inside scripture, when you read it, you can gloss over it real quick. But that little difference stuck out as I was reading. And I said, man, he didn't, he didn't say apostle like he usually does. And that made me look back through some of his other letters. And I said, yeah, he, that's right. He, he said prisoner. Now, he indeed was a prisoner at the time, but he also was a prisoner in some of those other letters. Why didn't he mention it then? So I believe he's making a case to help Philemon know, I'm a prisoner, and I'm writing this to you. I'm ministering while I'm in prison. As I was doing research looking at this, it, it, it talked about how more than half the church during this time were slaves or just dirt poor believers but more than half the church were slaves. And now we, we, we're not thinking about slaves like taken from Africa and stuff like that. We're talking about slaves. Do you realize that during this time, there were doctors and lawyers and accountants that were slaves? 
they were very, very effective in what they were doing in life. They just happened to be slaves because either they were born into it or they, they ended up doing something wrong with their finances and being enslaved. So Paul, he mentions also that Timothy, as a witness of his writing, also as a line of leadership. Paul was, Paul was making sure that Philemon knew that Timothy was a protege, a mentor. This is the next in line. So if something happens to me, this is someone that you can, you can count on. He mentioned how much he appreciated and loved Philemon and his wife and son, who had actually taken up the mantle and start ministering as a, as a, as a preacher as well. He's starting to build a case on how he's in prison ministering, and there were tons of people in the household of Caesar that were actually being converted because of Paul. Now you look at Philemon, the wealthy man, huge home, a lot of land, and he's ministering to believers and non-believers when they come in the midst. So he's trying to help Philemon understand, hey, we're doing the same thing. You probably got it a little bit better than me, but hear my heart, brother. Hear my heart. This is a great example of how you can actually use the sandwich approach when you're dealing with uh, uh, obstacles or challenges in life and handling conflict. Uh, th this book could actually be, it, most people think it's talking more or so about forgiveness, and I think it's talking more so about handling conflict, which is part of forgiveness, but how to handle it, how to go about it, because Paul is very respectful in how he approaches this very delicate situation. So look at the verse 10 through 17. And the verse reads, I appeal to you, my son Onesimus, for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in chains, who once was profitable to you, but now, or unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my heart whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while from this purpose, that you might receive him forever." No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Here we see Paul asking that the charges be dropped against Onesimus. 
he's basically pleading his case and he's saying, hey, let, I'm, I want these charges to be dropped against him. He's been a great servant to me. Now, if you go back to Colossians, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, it says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus our faithful and beloved brother who is one of your number you will inform they will inform you about the whole situation so in, Col in Col colossians you see onesimus being stated as a faithful and beloved brother sent by paul and when he gets over here in philemon Paul's pleading his case saying, this is a good man now. He's been following, he's been, he's been doing what he's supposed to do. He loves the Lord. Paul knew Onesimus had one thing to do, though. With all that, he's serving, he's doing the right thing, but Paul knew he had to do one thing. He had to get it right with Philemon. He had to right the wrong that he had done. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 26, it says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that you or that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go first to be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up your last cent, your last debt. Onesimus, you're not gonna be able to fully, fully be used by God, receive the blessings of God until you get this wrong righted. You're doing everything we're asking you to do. You're serving the Lord. You're committed to Christ. But you've told me a story about your master, Philemon, and how you ran away, how you stole something and ran away. But you have not asked for forgiveness yet. Paul has the authority when we look at this, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, this is how respectful Paul is in this letter. He has the authority to command Philemon to receive Onesimus back, but he doesn't do that. He has so much respect for Philemon and his reputation that he has throughout the land. He knew that Onesimus would be received if he went about it the right way. Paul's faith and his appeal through love to Philemon was something that he knew would be received right. And he also knew that Philemon knew this. In James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, 
and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, Paul didn't want to force Philemon to take on uh, Onesimus because where's the testimony in that? If he would have forced him to say, no, you better do it because I told you so and you better listen to me because I have the authority to make you do it. Where's the testimony in that? If someone makes you go and forgive someone, have you really forgiven them? He didn't want to do that. But by sharing how useful Onesimus could be to him as a believer and how, listen to this, how Paul mentored Onesimus, how much more useful he could be to him now. He left him. He was, he was supposed to be useful, but he was useless. And now Paul's sending him back to Philemon, a believer, someone who loves the Lord. He's very useful to him now. You know, nowadays, you know, someone does something wrong to someone and one of the things you hear them say is, I don't want nothing to do with him. I don't want nothing to do with them. I don't want nothing to do with her. I don't want to see them ever again. In this case, you could probably hear mumblings and grumblings of, that guy's a thief. Don't welcome him back. You know, they said that about Paul. He, they said, don't let him. Matter of fact, the disciples, don't let him get us all in the room together. He's going to take us all out. And you take the leadership out all at once, man, the church is just going to crumble. So, no, 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 let's, let's meet with them separate because we don't trust them. I, I just don't, no, no, no. That's what happens in the world. Because the more and more time that elapses between asking for forgiveness or telling someone that you forgive them, the more and more confusion, doubt sets in, more and more bitterness sets in and creates a stone wall. You know, one of the things I remember when I was, when I first, I think when I, when I first heard this sermon preached, one of the things that really hit my heart was when I first became a believer and started walking with the Lord and I went to Bill Gothard conference. One of the main things that they talked about, or at least I heard, was forgiveness. If you're holding something against someone or if you've done something to someone, go and ask for forgiveness or go and tell those per people that you forgive them. That was probably the most important thing I got out of that conference. And when I heard this sermon preach for the first time through Philemon, I'm like, man, that is... That's, 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 a key. That's, that's a key to our faith, to be willing to forgive and not hold on. Because, and I, 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 can, I, can, I can see it right now, just I'm visualizing. I remember in that workbook, there was a brick wall, and there was a couple bricks missing. And one of those bricks allowed Satan to come in and start dividing, start doubting and start putting fear in my mind, in my heart, and that brick was missing. So what I had to do was get that forgiveness brick and put it back in that wall to block that out. One thing you must realize also is that Onesimus was delivering the letter. 
it wasn't just Paul writing a letter. Onesimus delivered the letter with Tychicus because they had just came from Colossae. He was asking for forgiveness in person. So you have Paul's letters in one hand. Paul's, he's, he wrote this letter to Philemon. Philemon gets this letter. He's, he's excited and jacked because his mentor, his, this guy that he probably idolizes, has written him a personal letter. This is a guy, he's, he's like the Billy Graham of the day, right? And you, and you get a personal letter from Billy Graham, handwritten, signature, everything. And you're like, oh my God, it's from Paul. And then you look up. And here's this slave that stole from you. How are you going to respond? And Paul's laying it all out. He's stacking the case. What are you going to do? The ball's in your court. Have you ever been in a situation where something was stolen from you? Think about this. Initially, you're upset. You're frustrated. You're thinking about, I got to replace this. This is not going to be, oh, my goodness, oh, my God. And then when that item that was stolen from you is replaced, it's twice as better, it's more expensive, it works better. You're like, wow, there's always a reason for something. We don't always see it in the beginning. Think about Onesimus. He's a slave. Somehow or another, Philemon owned him. And he stole something. He's gone. But now he comes back. But he's a believer. He's on fire for Christ. He's been working with someone that you really appreciate and look up to. He's had personal time with Paul, and he's someone that's now better. He can really help you with what you're doing with the church. Are you going to forgive? That's what Philemon was faced to deal with. Now, verse 18 through 25, it says, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, talking about Onesimus, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, and I will repay, not to mention to you what you owe me, even your own self besides. Yes, brother. Let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also, prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristotus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul believed that Onesimus, he believed that Onesimus was so much so much radically changed that he was willing to pay the debt. Paul puts it on paper. He says, listen, Philemon, I will pay anything that is owed to you. 
I, matter of fact, I'm going to let you know, and I'm going to put it in this writing saying, I, Paul, am writing with my own hands. I'll take care of the debt. But then Paul reminds Philemon, you know, you owe me. Because he was responsible for Philemon's conversion, his eternity. He was the one that helped start the church in Colossae. So how much more did he owe Paul? Amen? Now, he didn't hold it over his head. He just said, you know, I'm going to do my closing statement here. You know, I think I've stated my case. I think we're good now. And I believe in you, brother. But I know you'll do the right thing. And I'm looking forward to having a joyous occasion in hearing what you've done. And by the way, I'm looking forward to stopping by. Make me a bed. I'm just saying. Not to check up on you, but to rejoice with you. Wink, wink. I, I know you're going to do the right thing. We're looking forward to it. Then check this out. Paul helps Philemon realize accountability of church leadership. This is something you can gloss over, too. He mentions all the brothers down here. Epaphras, Mark, Artichus, Demas, Luke. He mentions all of them. Why? Because they're leaders. They're leaders in the church. Philemon is accountable to them. Philemon, if you don't forgive, these brothers are going to know that you didn't. So he lays out this case. And Philemon, we, we, we know what Philemon did. I just wish that this letter was, you know, a continuation and there was a follow-up letter. But we know what he did. We know that he accepted Onesimus back. Matter of fact, I believe that when Onesimus came, he was just on fire for Christ and he helped that church grow larger and larger because of his servitude and love for the Lord. And Philemon was blessed because of receiving Onesimus back and forgiving him. You know, no matter what the offense to us, hear me, church, no matter what the offense to us, we cannot afford to be hard-hearted or vengeful. We can't afford it. As I close, I had three, three quick questions for you. Have you ever spoken with someone who was wrong or wronged someone? Have you ever spoken with someone who has wronged someone? Did you recommend them to go back to that person or persons and ask for forgiveness? Question number two. Have you yourself wronged someone? And did you ask for forgiveness? Question number three. Have you refused to forgive someone? Three simple questions. Have you ever spoken to someone that did something bad to somebody? Uh, did you recommend them to go and ask for forgiveness from those people that they wronged? Number two. 
Have you yourself wronged someone? And did you go and ask for forgiveness? And three, have you refused to forgive someone? Forgiveness is very key in our Christian walk. Um, we, can, um, we can come to church and praise the Lord. And I um, pass to say we can image manage. But when we hold something against another brother or sister, matter of fact, they, they don't have to be saved. We as Christians are supposed to do the right thing. But if we hold something against someone, how much, how much is the Lord using us? Is that love? And what, if, that's, if that is not love, then what are we operating out of? Think to yourself, what is love? Who is love? If God, Jesus Christ, is love and he died for us to share and show his love, are we going to be an, an example of that? Or are we going to say, you know what, I, it just is too much. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I don't care. I just, nope. And we're going to allow that brick to stay out of that wall so that the enemy can continue to come in and set up strongholds and block blessings and keep you from hearing the Lord and stop you from being useful within the body. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let's take Philemon's letter and live it out. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that um, all of us that um, are here in church this morning and those around the world, that if there's any unforgiveness in their heart, Lord, I pray that they would go to those that uh, they need to ask for forgiveness from or to those that they need to forgive that they would go and get it right. Lord, I pray that, um, that you will be seen through those actions and that it could cause someone that does not know you to come to know you, Father. I pray if there's someone in here this morning that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they ask for forgiveness for their sins and then they ask you to come into their heart and make them new, as your word says, to be a new creation created through Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for how you wrote in this, this little letter to Philemon, a great, great, knowledgeable example of what love truly is, of how we are to deal with difficult situations in our life. Thank you for what you're going to do, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.